Hello, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Greetings, everyone. This is Rico, and this is a special Wednesday evening edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. Got a really good interview to play for you tonight uh, on this special podcast. This is uh, podcast number 119 for May the 2nd, 2007. Stand by. Here we go. Somewhere in space, this may all be happening right now. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas, the man who brought you American graffiti, now bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Here they come. The story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. It's a big, sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. It's a spectacle, light years ahead of its time. I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations, and this is my counterpart, R2-D2. Hello. It's an epic of heroes. And villains. And aliens from a thousand worlds. in the making and it's coming to your galaxy this summer well welcome to the show everyone this is rico and of course this is a special wednesday night edition of treks and sci-fi i'm not going to talk very long because i have a really good interview to play for you uh, on this special podcast, uh, I interviewed uh, just a little while ago uh, a gentleman named uh, Christian Macht. He's worked on a Star Wars documentary, and we talked for for quite a while, over an hour, about his uh, film, The Force Among Us. So what I'm going to do is just play a little uh, brief intro music, and I'm going to get right into the interview. I want to mention that uh, uh, information on picking up this uh, great DVD will be available in the podcast notes, and we talk about it during the interview. But without any further ado, here's the interview with Christian Macht about the documentary for Star Wars, The Force Among Us. All right, everyone, this is Rico, and we have a very special uh, interview and a special edition of Treks in Sci-Fi for you today. I've got on the uh, phone, on the Skype phone, uh, I've got a gentleman named Christian Macht, and he is working on, uh, I think he's primarily responsible for, uh, a, a Star Wars, I guess it's kind of a more of a documentary, fan film, I, I don't really want to categorize it until he has a chance to, to talk about it, but are you there, Christian? 
I am here. I am here, and thanks, uh, thanks again for having me on the show. Oh, no problem at all. I think uh, the I think the listeners are really going to enjoy it. Uh, the name of this uh, film is called The Force Among Us, and we'll get it out of the way right now. It can be uh, you can find information about this at theforceamongus.com. And in yes, the... and you can actually uh, you can actually pre-order it right now. Excellent. And um, the reason why I bring up the pre-order information is because. We've pressed 1977 DVDs that uh, celebrate the 30th anniversary of the uh, of the saga. Oh, great! And, that's uh, that's excellent. So is we're that going to uh, sending out? Um, there, we even have uh, vials of sand. Oh. Uh, the, the sand has actually come from the sets on location in Tunisia that uh, that I had an opportunity to visit in 2005. And I decided to uh, to give these away with the pre-orders. Well, that's that's great. So it's yeah, it's at theforceamongus.com, and I'll uh, I'll list that information for those without a pencil handy uh, in the notes and the podcast notes for for this particular show. Well, I'm really glad we could hook up. Uh, we were talking a little informally before we got started. I'm going to be heading out of out of the country myself in a, in a few days uh, to the to asia and and to taiwan so I, I wanted to get this interview in because we are in the uh well we're now in the month of may and we're we're definitely in the heart of the 30th anniversary celebration of the first star wars film uh from uh that premiered about way back uh almost 30 years ago now in 1977 so yeah actually it was it was on my birthday was on my uh, my 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 two my my second birthday May twenty fifth. So it's, well, that's uh, that's a pretty uh, interesting uh, coincidence. Is that you think that's uh, uh, partly uh, due to your uh, your enjoyment for Star Wars? Is the fact that you share I, that I birthday? Think, I think there's some some fate and some some destiny tied in with that. And, and another strange coincidence is that my name Macht in German means force. Means force, a, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I had so it's it's you know when you say uh, may the force be with you, you say Morgan die Macht mit dir sein. Well, that's uh, yeah. wow. You do have a lot of uh, connections to the Star Wars universe and to the movies and that. That's that's uh, pr- very interesting. I was a uh, I was in Germany. Uh, I've been a, there for business a few times. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's uh, yeah, a great uh, country. A lot, very nice people. Yeah, very nice people. Actually, we we interviewed somebody. Uh, it's in a documentary from from Germany. Yeah, I think and there's was, a lot of uh, connections there. You know, with uh, a lot of the uh, worldwide filming that they did uh, for the films. Well, you're probably a lot more aware of that than I am. But uh, well, let's get into uh, uh, tell tell everyone at least that that may not know uh, just kind of a brief description of what your film is about. Uh, maybe a little bit about how you got started doing it and and, and the idea for it. Well, it's it's kind of funny that you know when you were opening up the show, and and I, I appreciate you not throwing the label on on it, um, but you know there is fan film, and then there's the the documentary genre, you know. Right. Um, right. We we did start this off as an idea for the Adam Films uh, fan film contest at Celebration. Right, they do that. Like they've been doing that like every year, right? For the past few years. Yeah, they've been doing it every year. But the the, the one that we wanted to to do was we wanted to um, get involved in celebration uh, four. because we talked about doing this in two thousand and uh, two thousand and six. Right. Okay. When we when we kind of got the ball rolling here for the documentary, and um, we had the opportunity to show our ten minute. Um, you know what? What at the time was we we were going to try to get our ten minute film in the Adam Films 
contest. Was that more of a but, trailer, or was that just a shortened uh, version of what you had in mind? No, it was gonna it was gonna be a short film, and it was actually gonna be called "Confessions of a Star Wars Fan." It was gonna oh, be okay. kind of humorous. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was gonna be black and white with distorted voices and like the bars over the eyes. Oh, okay. Thing. All right. Kind kind of a yeah, sort of like a a throwback uh, kind of noir a little or style. Exactly. Definitely a throwback idea for sure. Okay. And, uh, that, that was my sister's idea, and the reason why she decided to for us to make this film was it was a year after episode three was released, and I was like, you know, I, I did the whirlwind tour. I went to Tunisia. I met George Lucas in London. Um, you know, did the handshake and the autograph with him. Went to both red carpet premieres, the U.S. and the U.K. one, and it was like a year later. It's like, well. Now what do we do as fans? You know, there's, <laughs> right? There's exactly. Really no there was of, for for many years there with the prequels. There was you know uh, uh, you know movies coming out every few years, build up to the movies, and a, and a lot going on. And then it just kind of like, yeah, you're on this big uh, whirlwind thing, like you said, and the way you described it. And then it just kind of goes whoosh. It's it's done. And now what? Exactly. I mean, if I, I waited for the for the prequels since I read an interview with Lucas. I think it was in Starlog in 1992. And yeah, course, I think I, I've read that as well. Yeah, definitely. He didn't even talk about the uh, the special editions back in the early 90s, and then he pulled out the special editions. I was like, well, I, I wanted the new movies. You know, I, I didn't care about uh, care about the old movies done. You know, in a new fashion. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you were looking so, yeah, for some more was, new new material. Yeah, absolutely. So there was this buildup from like '92, and then it just crashed in like 2005. I mean, that I don't know. I'm not doing the math in my head real quick. That's like 13 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of like I mean, I, I felt the same way after the the first three, you know, ended. That it, that it, especially the first few years after that, uh, because we had a, a new movie every three years, and then it just it just kind of faded away. And it really yeah, it faded away. It faded away pretty hard, basically. You know, it was it was almost invisible after the after a couple of years after Return of the Jedi. So it's yeah, it's it was. Um, and the funny thing about that too is that I think, you know, in the early days that you know Star Wars definitely created the um, the market for action figures, sure, and definitely. for collectibles. And it was almost like the death of them because they they opened up these floodgates. And they, they rolled with it all the way up until about 84, technically 85, but it did start to die off. You know, a lot of, I know I personally wasn't interested in the droid cartoons and the Ewoks. You sure, know, that, yeah, there were very, very few, I think. He-Man and, He-Man and G.I. Joe, you know. Right, so, you, uh, so you've been through, uh, you know, the, the prequels, you, you were looking for something, you know, something new to kind of keep your Star Wars, uh, you know, fandom and what you know your enjoyment out of it to keep it going and so you you had this idea for the force among us yeah well actually i i have the the passion for continuing on with what do i do next as a fan but my sister had the idea of the documentary and after she you know said hey we got to do this movie it would be great to to do a movie about this you know uh, confessions of a star wars fan and it just kind of grew from there uh, you know, we, we met with an independent film guy, uh, a, a director that just wanted to take our idea, take our story, rewrite it, and have us pay for it and charge us like ten grand. It was ridiculous for what he was going to do to our film. 
Right, yeah. It was just sort of somebody who was trying to capitalize on, on that idea. I think so. And, and you know what? That's really a typical story sure. in not only Hollywood, but in the independent film business as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, 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 uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, in a way like George Lucas with the original film. You know, there were, uh, you know, he had so many things. I hate to use the word force because of Star Wars, but, you know, he had so many forces conspiring against him in that movie. And, and, you know, he just kept pushing on with it, and, and he was able to keep control too. So that that yeah, there's absolutely. a lot to be uh, there's a lot to be said for putting it on the line. It's a lot of hard work, but you know, you've got to if you really have something that you want to do, if you turn it over to somebody, you know, you're you're probably always going to regret it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as soon as he was, as soon as this independent film director had told us that he was going to pretty much take our story, I was just I was like, you know what, I was so devastated because I had this we had this idea for just a passionate documentary and I'm like you know what there's no way I'm just going to give our story to somebody else <laughs> right you know yeah, exactly even even if he might have you know some more experience or even if he has some more access to funds and things like that so well speaking of the funds and that since you guys decided to do this basically on your own I mean were you you basically you know, opening up your piggy banks and financing it yourself, or, or was it a lot of volunteers in that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much how, you know, after we met with this independent film guy, I had called my, my wife's cousin, who has been in the in the film business for a long time. If you if you go to imdb.com and type in Frank Yario, the guy's resume is, is quite impressive. Okay, uh-huh. And I even went to him for advice, going, hey, man, would it cost 10000 to make a movie like this? And he pretty much said, you know what, I love to make movies. I don't care how big or how small they are. I want to do this with you because I know you guys are passionate about Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. And I know that you guys just don't want to do like a a B-grade fan film type thing. So he pretty much said he was going to do it for cost. Of course, you know, cost is like, I think we're at like $20,000 right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that just came from taking... You know, I remember, like, watching the money report on, like, CNBC, and they're like, how do you save money to do without, yes. you know, to not buy a bunch of crap? And that's what we did. I stopped buying Star Wars collectibles. I'm a fairly big collector. I, we were talking a little earlier, and, uh, yeah, I could I could see that, that saving a few bucks if you didn't buy anything, you know, for a while, and uh, and if you got a lot it of people tough. helping. It was, it was tough, but at the same time, it's like, you can always go back and buy that stuff. Sure, sure. The There's opportunity that was presented to us, it's like this opportunity is not going to be here again for independent filmmakers like me and my sister Courtney to work with guys that are you know working on Spider-Man 2 and, right. and uh, with Francis Ford Coppola and all that stuff, you know? Right, so... so uh... we. What did you uh, just to get a little to the uh, to the film itself? When, once you decided you were going to take it on and, and you know stop buying those lightsabers at the store and you know whatever the latest uh, Hasbro action figures were on the shelves and you know <laughs> whatever you, they're trying to capitalize on, right? Did you have a kind of a, a, a general outline and you know basically did you have a, a, a fair idea of how you wanted to put this together and what you wanted to cover on it, or did it sort of evolve i guess as you did it or uh, i'm just trying to figure well, a little, out a little Go bit ahead. of both you know we knew that there were that there were all these different types of star wars fans you know there's the people that just 
collect. There's the people that just collect new, and there's the people that collect vintage. Sure. And then there's the costuming groups. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's just a long line of everybody has this genre that they like to, you know, express their fandom. Right. Some people are like in know. the role playing games more, or whatever. They're yeah, or in the in the books, and the, I mean, even yep. the five hundred first man. I mean, the five hundred first. There's like the people that have been in it for years, and there's like this grassroots feel and attitude that they have, and then there's all yep, these new exactly. people that are coming in, where not every new person is trying to overrun that organization, but that organization has changed. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I've, uh, I've. There are quite a few. Uh, forum members on different uh, sites on the internet you know with the internet and the, and the and computers these days it's you know it's sort of a, a blessing and a curse i mean a lot of this stuff and information gets shared and out there and I, I don't know if it's sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad but yeah i've heard some of those things and but yeah there are definitely a, a, it's amazing really and i think people don't you know one of the nice things i'm hearing i think from you is that the general public, the people that are not really into Star Wars fandom and, and, you know, have never gone to a convention or at least haven't met more than one type of fan, I think they have a certain idea that there's just, you know, it's this it's this guy that lives in his parents' basement, you know, and it's not really, you know, there, there's sure a tiny few of them out there, you know, but then again, I, it's it's not at all the norm you know there there's there's a wide range of different types of fans in it and it sounds like that's what you guys were trying to cover in this yeah and and the reason why our film is is well aside from showing the different types of fans it's also destroying the terri- the stereo it's destroying the stereotypes that are not just associated with star wars fans in our movie yes that's what we show we we try to destroy the stereotypes that are associated with just generally the Star Wars fans, but if I'm not mistaken, I never saw the movie, and I'm ashamed to say, because I should have seen it, but I've never seen Trekkies. But I heard a lot of feedback from hardcore Star Trek fans that said that those people that made that film were not fans, and that they kind of, they didn't help the fact that there's these stereotypes associated with Star Wars and Star Trek fans. Yeah, well, yeah, like we were talking about earlier, since this, uh, since my, you know, the podcast and and a lot of what I enjoy is Star Trek related and and is covered on on my show and website a lot. That uh, yeah, I've obviously seen both of those. There's uh, Trekkies two and Trekkies one. I think they're. I heard gonna... Trekkies two was a little better. I heard yeah. it was more positive, if you well, will. Basically, since you haven't seen them, I'll just give you like the one-minute story. What they did with the, the two movies, yeah, the first one, they they met some fans, and it was very it was very narrow in scope. They didn't really talk to a very a, a great number of people, so you have that problem. You know, there's millions, literally, in the world of fans of Star Trek, and they talked to a very small handful, so that's, yeah, that's right, a problem right. right there. And, of course, they had to focus on the ones... I would say in general that are the ones that people go, wow, that, you know, there's the, there's the one I remember, especially two of them, especially one, this guy that spent huge amounts of money creating this like Star Trek apartment in Great Britain, I believe it was, and, and basically uh, bankrupt himself by doing that. And then there's the classic one of the, the woman who wanted to wear her Starfleet uniform uh, to work. And I think into court, if I remember, there was a whole thing with that. But I, but I mean, yeah, basically, in a nutshell, they really didn't give you a nice cross-section of fandom and the different types of fans out there. And then the second Sounds film, like they all, have, all they did they with the second film was... the extreme fans, you yeah, know? Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. In the second film, they just basically went on and then they caught up with them a couple of years later. Now, the positive thing about that is these people had gone on to do some pretty interesting things and had shown, you know, even though they, they are really into Star Trek, uh, that they they some of them have turned things into sort of a uh, entertainment movie career a little bit and other things like that. So that one was a little more a little more on the positive side. My biggest problem was just in general, I didn't think they covered nearly enough of the spectrum of people that are out there. Uh, if you go to just even one Star Trek convention, you know, you, you can meet you know hundreds of people and they're obviously all a little different so that 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 was yeah, the absolutely. problem absolutely and and i know that you know the the only other fans out there when i when i'm when we're talking about fandom the only people that really suffer from the stereotypes are the star trek and star wars fans sure I mean, yeah I, you've got you've got i think you guys talk about it a little bit uh you know you, there are people that are way into a certain sports team a certain football team and, and they get nuts for it and and it's like no one seems to that one is kind of accepted, I guess, a little bit more than yeah, the, the, you know, like when the, the when sci-fi the Bears people. Were, when the Bears were playing this last season, when it got into the Super Bowl, I mean, there were all these drunk people without their shirts. Not everybody, of course. I mean, sure. they're, they're, I can't be throwing stereotypes on them myself. Yeah, <laughs> That'd well, be kind of uh, hypocritical. But yeah. the news people don't focus on those those sports fans only if it gets a little bit you know where the police are called in i live in the uh, michigan the detroit michigan area and we we've had a few times where it's been uh gotten a little crazy but again it's it's you're at a stadium with thousands of people and it's it's a handful that cause a problem and, and that's all they really focus on so it's you know it's it's really uh, i'm in the sciences area and i always have a hard time when people you know, you generalize, you know, it's bad math, bad statistics, and bad data when you say, okay, here's, there are thousands or even millions of people that like a certain thing, and here's five of them, and that's how all of them are, and that's yeah, not, right, you know, absolutely. obviously, so, uh, when, when there's, when there's literally, you know, I mean, so many different types of people, exactly, and, and, the, and the thing, too, so not only does our movie talk about the different types destroying the stereotypes but it also shows that um there's a very strong positive thing about being a fan and uh also um that that star wars is the one thing that no matter how different we are we still have in common yeah and and that we all relate to you know and it's a uh you know just like star trek a little bit and, and star wars you know they're both kind of i've always thought they're they're very positive, you know, things in general. When you look at what what the movies are about and what oh, they're yeah, trying, Star Trek. I mean, if, you know, if Star Trek is all about like a utopian society, really. If, if sure. I'm correct, yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it shows that there's hope for the future, that people can get along and work out their differences. And I think I think even Star Wars is like that, you know, in a, in a similar way, just a little bit different. I mean, it's still that, you know. I mean, eventually, you know, Anakin is pulled back and. You know, it's 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 you don't have to give up. And, and I think Star Wars, Star Star Trek, it seems to be more about maybe society as a whole, and I think Star Wars is kind of like the struggles that we go through within our own personal lives sure. within this society as a whole. You know. Yeah, I've always thought one's a little bit more on the kind of, and I and I hate to generalize because like we were just talking about it, that's something that's sometimes hard to do. But I've always felt that. You know, I, since I enjoy both of them, the Star Trek has always kind of appealed more to the kind of intellectual side. I hate to say that, 
and then maybe Star Wars is more of an emotional involvement. No, and, that, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. I mean, I I'm a Star Wars fan. You're probably more a Star Trek fan, and I believe that's one thing that we definitely we definitely express the same view on. You know, yeah. is that Star Trek is more technical side it's more for the intellectual and and star wars is more maybe for the for the deep-minded the the deep thinkers the you know that kind of thing yes yeah, so not saying that you know you, sure that those can't cross over oh no not at all and they both they both get you going i mean either either one of them you know works the other angles too as well so uh the uh, the film and it looks like you've got from the trailer I saw on your website it looks like you you went and did a lot of interviews with a lot of different fans which I, w- I was very happy to see. Now, can you tell me a little bit about specifically like where did you go, which conventions, which places did you hook up with people? Uh, how did that work uh, out? Th- that's a good question. You know, the fact that we were making a documentary, we didn't want to go to any convention. We didn't want to go to any line, you know, and what we wanted to do was we wanted to um, get people, and and oddly enough, a lot of the people that you see in the trailer are personal friends of mine or even family members. Oh, okay, all right. A little behind the scenes there. I just, I know so many people from, you know, just from growing up that I'm still in contact with that everybody that I know is so different from each other. Yeah. You never know that by watching the the highlight reel, you know, but we wanted to interview people in their own environment. Right. So okay. if, if somebody like spent a lot of time in their home office, well then let's interview them in the home office. You know, somebody inter- you know, somebody spends a lot of time like outside in their yard doing garden work or yeah. just hanging out by the pool. You know, we, we wanted the fact that it was a documentary and you could say it has a little bit of a reality TV element to it. We just wanted something very natural. There's no acting in the doc. You know, there's no acting in this film. Right. You just and, wanted to show these people in their, in their daily lives. And it's like, okay, now, now in pick, their daily lives, yeah, yeah. being right there, you're destroying the stereotypes. Okay. He's not in his basement with his star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is like at work or he's like, out by the pool, well, yeah, you know, you, or he's hanging out with his family, you know? You know how it is when when film crews, and I've been in enough conventions to see the local news people show up, you know the people that they shine the cameras on, the people that are in costumes and all that, and uh, and, and you're, exactly, you're going exactly. and, and seeing people, you know, I saw a little bit of it where they're, you're talking to a, a dad with his, with his kid, and, and it, it looked like, you know, one of the nice things there was that they both could share their love for Star Wars together, and it sounds like maybe that... You know, they didn't have a lot that they both liked, but Star Wars was something that they both liked, and that, that was great. Yeah, I thought. exactly. Here, here you have this. That, that's a that's a great example. I think of the family element that we have uh, brought into the film, and of course, Star Wars. Just the story of it. It's about the Skywalker family. Yeah. And, uh, Star Wars has bonded me and my family together. And in the tra- in the ten minute highlight reel, you have this father that has this autistic son. It's, he's talking about it. His autistic son is like right. I think in his that's. Shell. I think that's the part that to, I saw. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, he doesn't want to come out, and he said Star Wars was one of those powerful tools that just got this kid, this kid with autism, that was just like so in his shell to like come out and like communicate with his dad and yeah. just talk to his dad, and you know, it's a great story. I mean, we we all have fathers, you know, that we have great pastimes with, you know. 
Yeah, and that's a just, uh, that that's a great that that's a great story, and it also kind of brought to mind one thing when I was reading your uh, your website. Uh, something that we have a little bit in common um, that I wanted to touch upon uh, during this interview sometime was that the fact um, just to give you a little background on myself. Uh, when I was growing up, my father passed away when I was fairly young, and okay. one one of the things that that Star Trek did for me, and like the old you know Kirk Spock type reruns of Star Trek on the air, and it's like we were talking earlier about it, the you know the hope for the future, you know that at at that time for me, you know a little I think I was like nine at the time, you know was was something to to kind of hold on to a little bit, you know they were kind of. Uh, you could kind of call it like surrogate father figures, you know. There's Kirk, there's Spock, there's Doctor McCoy, and oh yeah, it was pe- people that were maybe not there for you in reality, but when you're nine and ten years old and you don't have a father, yeah. those were like positive influences in your exactly, life. Exactly right, and, yeah. and and I always tell people that you know, being being a sci-fi fan, science fiction, Star Trek, or Star Wars, or whatever. And, and and get their kids interested in some of these things or TV and movies and that kind of stuff or, and some of the books. It's just there's so many other things you could turn to in, under those kind of circumstances that probably aren't so good. You oh, know? absolutely. And, 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 it, and it was, you know, yeah, absolutely. It, for myself at least, it got me interested in, in, in building things because there weren't a lot of, you know, things you could go buy at the stores. And I didn't have any money as a little kid anyway. So I learned about, you know, building, electronics, carpentry, just because this kind of stuff, I wanted to make my own little, you know, you know, little mock-up of the bridge a little on my, on my dresser and, you know, and and my own little handmade phaser and that kind of thing. And it was a very good, positive, you know, influence for me. And, and then I wanted you to say a little bit about maybe if you could, uh, a little bit about you and, and your, you know, childhood yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I got to tell you, um, you know, we, we grew up poor, too, because my father, you know, back in, he passed away in 82, and back in the late 70s and the early 80s, it was not like today. It was not as common for both people in the home to work. Yes, and yeah. And when, when the main provider for the family passed away, I mean, we, we, we grew up pretty much poor. I mean, we were on food stamps for crying out loud, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it is. It's not like it is these days where, uh, you know, sometimes fortunately, you know, both both work and something happens, a divorce, you know, at least there's somebody there, else there that's making some money. So, yeah, it's, it is yeah, a, right. a very Absolutely. familiar. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we had the toys growing up, but like when Return of the Jedi came out, we, we didn't have as many of those toys, but it was all about that role play, like you said, you know, is making the phaser. We we had to make lightsabers out of cardboard, too. Sure, like a flashlight I mean, and wave it around or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but I think the cool thing about that is that the imagination was just, there's nothing better than an imagination when you're that young, you know. It's just, yeah. It really takes you to an whole other place. Yep, definitely. And it gives you, you know, it gives you something to, to occupy your mind and, and something to think about and, 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 and to think about for the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you know my my story actually kind of kind of stems back from the the love of Star Trek because my father was a fan of the Star Trek TV series. Oh, okay. When, when Star Wars came out, he he related to that. I think my father was into sci-fi in general, primarily Star Trek. Star Wars came out, and he's like, "Wow, I got I got to see this," you know. And he, he took me to see the movie when I was really young, and of course, 
you know, back from like 77 to like 81, you know, those were like prime years of Star Wars. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It was everywhere, yeah. It was everywhere, yeah, and it was accepted everywhere. And, you know, those were just great moments in my life as a kid, and Star Wars was just so cool then. And, of course, after my father passed away, my mother took me to see Jedi, and I started getting into more trouble. You know, my father wasn't around. I started getting into more trouble. You know, Star Wars was over. He-Man and G.I. Joe were the things I was into. Yeah, um, yeah. I was I was now. Now I was. You like, were kind of going to the dark side, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and what happened was, in 1991, I came across a tape. So like between 82 to like 91, those are like the dark years of my life. You know, growing up without a father and you know, yeah, and yep. all that stuff. And in 91, I was a junior in high school. And I'm like, wow, I really want to know more about, you know, how my father passed away. Very much like Luke Skywalker. How did my dad pass away? What was mm-hmm. my dad right. like outside of the family life? Sure. And um, I came across this tape of Empire Strikes Back, and I'm like, wow, I haven't seen this in a long time. It was probably since, like, boy, it was the early 80s since I had last seen Empire, I think. And I had put it in, and it just took me back to a place before my father passed away. Right. It really took me back to a, a happier place, if you will, and it helped me kind of go back to my childhood that ended so early and helped me deal with, you know, thinking about some issues. And, of course, moving on to A New Hope, where Luke is looking more into his father, I just related to that character. Yeah. So much. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, when Luke's looking out at the suns, he relates to a new tomorrow. But for me, I was like, he's looking for a new tomorrow, but he's also like wondering. That was right after the talk he had about his his father with his aunt and uncle. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think he was thinking a lot about his father when he was looking at the suns, you know, (laughs) because he just had that conversation and I just felt so connected that character yeah it's it's so, a great you know one of the best you know moments in the movie and it, it does have a lot of m- multiple meanings i think i think that's almost like a song like lyrics to a song you know like you hear lyrics to a song everybody has their own interpretation sure and, and that's exactly when luke is looking at the suns the sunset it's exactly whatever we want it to be it really is you know so you looked at and, these again and, you, and it sort of pulled you back to to kind of a a happier time and, and yeah I, I i definitely yeah can. because after my father passed away i never had a chance to go back to a happier time i mean it, it got a little bit you know on the to be personal with you it, it got a little bit star wars was maybe definitely a void that I used to, you know, I mean, Star Wars was something that I used to fill a void sure, with sure. my father gone and dealing with it. And, you know, it it just, there was something about going back in time when it was good, because I never had a chance to really look back growing up so fast. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you do grow up fast when those kind of things happen, and it's, uh, it is, you know, there you do need something to kind of hang on to, and it's it's a it's a strange time. So even even if both parents are even there, it's it's you know it's a strange time. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a strange time. Uh, you know, let a, you know with the parents around or not. You know, and yeah, then, exactly. You know, take out one of the parents. It's even more of a stranger time. And for some reason, that movie just really 
really connected with me of my past and of my future, too, to kind of help me move on to... Because Star Wars is all about dealing with, oh, man, I don't believe this happened to me. Now i got to deal with it. <laughs> you know? True. Yeah, definitely. Especially in Episode 3, you know. I hey, mean, let's... Yeah, uh, every... Before, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the... Uh, no worries. I, I wanted to ask about, uh, a, a little bit about, in, in general, about the movie. You know, you've got the fan interviews in there, and I know you guys not too long ago were... We're in Norway, and I wanted to hit on on some of your experiences there just for a few minutes. Uh, and for those that may be listening and don't r- realize it, uh, I think it's pronounced Fince. Is that how you say it? Fince? Yeah, you can pronounce it Fince or uh, Fince or Fince. Fince. I mean, there's, it's funny because I've heard that name pronounced like five different ways. Sure, you know? sure. It's, uh, but it's it's the place basically that, that uh, a lot of the uh, exterior uh scenes in uh the empire strikes back were filmed so yes, so let's, yeah uh, and it's, it's where the crew um had stayed at as well uh gary kurtz and uh and kirsch Irvin kirschner right um, the hotel Lucas, you guys actually went back you stayed at the hotel that the the uh the cast and crew were at you were out in the areas i saw some of the the uh the stills the pictures up on your website it's amazing how much just seeing one of those pictures makes me say hey that's that's Hoth. That's not on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looks I know. so much like I feel like the same it. way. You know, you see one photo, and it's like a close-up of a crew member, and it's like you can tell where we were, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's just, it's just amazing. So what um, did, when you, you know, were putting together a documentary, you got these fan interviews and that, and, and did what? Basically, you wake up one day and say, hey, you know what, let's go to Norway and, uh, and, and, <laughs> and visit well, these locations. Actually, you know, to, to make how we got there a short story because i'd rather talk about the experience of being sure, there but sure definitely I, i'm guys, just wondering if you had that planned i guess a little bit or... no you know and it's funny because you asked did we have a script yeah we had a script but obviously a lot of things kind of grew sure. um and we were supposed to shoot for five days in september but all these ideas that were coming up in the story you know interviewing dan madsen going to norway interviewing dustin roberts all these things just made so much, uh, it made so much sense. You know, hey, why not extend the production schedule? Right. And one of the guys that we had that we were going to interview, his name is Mark Dremol. He's a uh, very big autograph collector that resides okay. in Belgium. We were going to interview him over Skype, but we're like, you know, let's scratch that idea because we're still in production. He's going over there to Norway, to Fins, Norway, to, to take people on a tour i myself was one of them i was planning on going on his trip for a long time before i even knew i was going to make a documentary oh okay all right so there's this autograph guy in belgium that's relatively close to to norway and and was going to do this tour and you were going to go anyway i was going to go anyway we we said you know what let's not interview him on skype and throw a photo of him you know with a map of belgium like a cnn type thing yeah because the, the product that we have, the movie that we have is just so amazing in quality that we're like, you know what, why not? And so we were in the right place at the right time. The opportunity was there. It was very expensive. It was half the budget that we spent on this film. But it was just one of those, you know how they tell you to live your life? People go, you know, if the chance comes up, if the opportunity comes up, grab it and don't look back. Have no regrets. You know? Yeah, I completely, uh, I completely agree with you. And, and lately, especially in the past few years, you know, I've had a chance to visit different places in the world, and 
it's not cheap, and uh, well, most of mine have been work related, so that that's made it uh, you know relatively cheap for me. But I, sure, I, I sure. my one regret is I had an opportunity way back when I was in college. I was almost going to go to France uh, to vi- visit who who then was my girlfriend, but turned into eventually being my wife, and I didn't go. It would have been like every penny I had in the world uh, to get over there. Uh, for for a week or two and and I just things just didn't work out and I kind of you know I, I just didn't do it and I've always kind of regretted it so I, I know exactly what you mean if you've got a shot at doing something that, like a once in a lifetime especially thing you should do I it. mean it was tough it was tough financially you know it, it definitely oh yeah yeah definitely sent me back um, and uh, you know but it was like that opportunity was there and. The last time anybody filmed anything there, what, Star Wars related, was of course in 1979, and I just thought it would be a great experience to go and film where they filmed Empire Strikes Back to show the locations, to show the hotel, because especially the hotel, we always hear all these stories about how the crew was trapped in a hotel, but we never see it. We never see the in, inside of the hotel. So yeah, that, that's, to, that's one of the things I always loved about the original movies, and I, I think they kind of got away from that with the prequels a bit, but these otherworldly yeah, locations. The, 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 the you know, hardship they, of filming on location. Yeah, you know? they, they visited, you know, uh, Tunisia. They visited Tatooine again, but, you know, they, they just they, they didn't do anything a lot more than that for the prequels, and I really Yeah, miss... I think that the main set that they used, of course, was in Episode 1, and that wasn't even, you know, I mean, Episode 3, I don't even think they shot on location at all. Yeah. I think that was all, like, you know... In, in the studio, um, basically. In the studio. Yeah, so it's... Even the, I, I heard even the scene at the end when they look out at the sun, uh, uh, aunt and uncle... Uh, um, they, it's just a they, digitally created uh, situation. Yeah, they did that in a studio, and I was like, man, unbelievable. <laughs> It's amazing how they can do that, but it's like, why not film the old school way, you know? Yeah, there, there's there's something kind of, it, it has a lot of charm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of a movie buff, and I like old movies, and I like movies that have exotic locations, and, and it's just, you know, that's what movies are all about, at least to me, and Star Wars especially, these are supposed to be in other worlds, and, and Norway, you know, getting back to that, I mean, that's, it's just so different looking than any other place i mean i've been in a lot of places i've been in a lot of places that have a lot of cold and snow but there's just something so stark about these pictures i'm seeing uh you know on your website and and in the, the footage of course in in empire that makes it look so strange and and you know like it's a different planet it's it's a strange it's a strange place i mean it, it's an amazing place and the people um from norway are just amazing people we had the opportunity to show uh, they had movie night at the hotel, and of course they played Empire. And <laughs> the um, it, they, they treated us like real filmmakers. The the hotel staff. That's and great. Yeah. It was it was just so cool, and they're like, "Do you want to play the trailer in front of Empire?" And I'm like, "I would love to play our 10 minute highlight reel in front of Empire." And I I said a couple things to the people in Norway. I think there was 150 locals watching this trailer, and just after I got done talking. They knew I was there to make this documentary. They applauded. They didn't. They had no idea who I was. They applauded after I like gave the opening speech for, to the trailer. Well, that and must they, have been amazing and, for you. To it was just an amazing feeling, you know. And and at the end of the trailer, I'm like, okay, are they going to applause? And the place went crazy. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So the place went crazy, and they just they really enjoyed it. Now a lot of the people, they're not even. 
They know Star Wars, but a lot of them had seen Empire that night for the first time. Oh, okay. And the cool thing about it is after they saw Empire, my the hits that we got on our website, besides the United States, the number two country out of like 36 was traffic from from Norway. From Norway, yeah, know? I'm sure. So it's like, wow, it's really cool that they just they're really into into what we're doing. They're really into the fact that Empire was filmed in their backyard. Now, and, how long uh, did was, you did you get a chance? How long were you guys over there for to film? Well, I was gone probably for about ten days. I had a, I, I visited the Netherlands um, for about three days beforehand, and my film crew I flew in on like April second, and I flew them out on like April fifth, and they were it was a quick it was a quick trip. I mean, they worked the whole entire time they got in. We were asked to film like an opera that was outside on the snow, built on a stage made of snow. Wow. And like sub-zero weathers, and the hotel manager, the hotel owner was like, if you film this for me, we will give you free beer. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> free beer? Beer out there is like $10. Yeah. I mean, it's very expensive. So I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll work for beer. <laughs> okay. And um, so we, the amazing thing about filming out there was, we had one. We lost our luggage. The crew had everything. Oh God, no! But all the pioneers lost their luggage. We were stuck inside the hotel for the most part of it, which was cool because the hotel is like legendary on its own. Yeah. But we had one day to go out on the glacier, like one big, like ten-hour day to go out on the glacier, and that's of course where they filmed the battle scenes of Hoth, right? And the snow speeder crash and all that sort of thing. And the one day that we went out there, it was a beautiful day. It was crystal clear. We all went out. We had no technical problems, no other problems. The minute that we stepped off that 10-hour film day, stepped off the glacier, the sky just filled with storm clouds. And it was just the weather was just crap from there on out. So the fact that we had one day to work with and the weather was just so perfect, it was just amazing that we were at, that we were actually able to capture the footage. Yeah, that's and, that's just you know very uh, lucky on your timing and everything. I, I was trying to remember when, when when in the year, what time of the year were they filming when Empire when they did it there? I thought it was maybe earlier, and they had a really bad. Yeah, snowstorm. it was. It was actually like a month earlier. I think the days that we were there from like the last day of March until like April 5th, they were already gone. Right. I think they had left like in mid, in mid March, you know? Right. And the crazy thing too, was that the second day when we filmed, we filmed the reenactments with, you know, the ones that you hear about, like Luke falling down the hill and they shot it out the door. Right. Out the, hotel, the hotel door. Cause the weather was so yeah. bad. Right. Yeah. yeah we, exactly. we reenacted that scene. And the nice thing about that was that that was, the weather that we had for that day was bad, but it was also bad when they filmed that scene. Sure, yeah, that's why they did it that way, I think, from that's the why stories they did it that I've way. heard. That's right. why they shot it outside the door. So it was kind of creepy in a way because, and I was reading this book about, um, it was a journal that came out in 1980. I think his name was Alan Arnold, maybe. He was the publicist that traveled with the Empire crew. Yeah, right. He did a like a, he did a small making of book, didn't he? I think that's the book. He did a making book. Yeah, I, I think he did. A, he 
he possibly could have done it for all three, but the one that I read, my friend from Germany, my friend, his name is Christian, like, like mine, he's from Germany, he had given me this book to read. And the, the stuff that he was going through in this book was just so amazing because we were going through some of the same stuff. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very interesting. It was sure it wasn't as extreme. We didn't have like a, a million dollar budget. We didn't have you know these big actors out there. But ju- just the fact that you know, and of course the publicist wasn't you know he wasn't the director. He wasn't the producer. He was in smaller shoes back then. You know, well maybe big right. shoes too. He had a big responsibility to fill. But it just I felt it so personally connected to reading this book at the actual hotel. Yeah, where I mean, he wrote you, you, some you, of these journal pages, you exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that's very. Uh, so you haven't been back all that long, then. You guys just did this only like last month, and uh, yeah, it's... we. Got, I don't even think it's been a month. We got back the day before Easter. I think that was like uh, the eighth of April. You know. Yeah. So it's probably coming up to a month rather quickly. You know. So are you? But, uh, uh, it was just amazing to film there. It really was. I was just to kind of. Uh, get to the 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 finished product now i i've been you know from your website and from other uh i've heard you on star wars action news and a few other places you know the you're planning on releasing this when at uh the the 30th anniversary at uh celebration four well no this the street date for the dvd is may 25th the actual anniversary but we were and and it's an honor to be um announced as official guests for Lucasfilm uh, and um, the Celebration 4, because I've attended all those, you know. Yeah. Um, even the one that, that Dan put on uh, back in 99, you know, Dan Matson. And um, so we're, right now we have a pre-order going on. And if you, there's 1977 DVDs that were released to celebrate the 30-year anniversary of being a fan, you know, of being a fan of the sagas. And there we have actual sand from Tunisia that I'm including in a vial. Um, it's, not, it's not the world's biggest vial, of course, but it's <laughs> something small, but it's just a cool little piece to right. give to the people. Right, so you, um, you're, uh, this, uh, and the pre-order is on your, on your website. Uh, the, the question I was trying to get at it was, since you were only in, in, in Norway just a few weeks ago, all of this you're, you're, is all being, has already been edited and put together, and, and the DVD is basically done and finished? Well, I, I, I can't say that, because if, if I don't know, if for some of the listeners that have been to Celebration 1, 2, and 3, okay. we always hear Rick McCallum talking about where they were at with, you know, post-production. And Rick's sure. like, you know what, right. we still got a couple guys in the editing room. <laughs> yeah, I know, the, like, you know, the, the movie's going to come out like next week, but we're still cutting it, you know. Or... The, you know, that, I think that's just the nature of making a film. You, you can cut until, and of course you need a deadline, because you can cut the movie until we're old and gray. Yes, exactly. You know? But we, we put a deadline on ourselves. We have a street date of May 25th, and the people that are editing the film, they're, they're professionals, and they've worked with some of the biggest names in the Hollywood business that they've, they've started, they've been involved in this project since we started filming at the end of August last year. Okay. And they just know our vision so well. So are you, the, are you directly, are you involved directly with the editing then, or you have basically told them what you want and they're doing it? Well, what, what me and my sister are doing for the editing process is we oversee the editing. Okay. We wanted to delegate specific 
things to people that specialize in, you right, know, whatever right. it may be. Sure. There, yeah, it doesn't make you know, sense for me to be on the editing when I can be promoting the film. Oh, yeah, yeah, you definitely, I mean, you're doing it the right way. I mean, and as long as they're doing and, you know, you've given them a clear idea of what you're looking for, what you want, I mean, George Lucas, There's for something... example, doesn't, like, you know, get out there and do everything in a Star Wars movie, even when he was doing the first one. So, I mean, you, you need yeah, people well, it's, that... Yeah, it's very hard. I, I, I am involved in the editing process because we have the final say. Right. But the people, it's, you know, when you make an independent film, you, you definitely have to wear a lot of hats, but you have to say, okay, that's your expertise. And you really have to trust your team. Sure, You know, yeah. they... They trust me to sell and promote the film, and I trust them to put our exact vision and exact script onto the screen. You know, so if if I was in the editing room, wouldn't be able to promote it, wouldn't be able to get the word out. And of course, this is an independent film. We don't have any distribution uh, backing us or any studio backing us. So the the promotion and the support from the fans is everything in the world to us. We could have the best documentary possible, but if the movie is not promoted by us, or if it's not purchased by the fans, it, it could be just one of those like masterpieces that sit on the shelf, you know. Yeah. Now, uh, is it uh, getting along or along that line? How has it been with the, the Lucasfilm people in general? I mean, are you have you had any? I mean, are they okay with all of this? I mean, are you guys? Is well, this kind of you a? Know, non, when, I've always heard of it. Is it a profit situation or a nonprofit, or do you have to basically? Well, no, this. You know when when you I don't when mean you to you cash, know I'll have you open your books on the on the podcast, but I just have, in general I, I know they've been pretty happy and pretty cooperative with other you know quote unquote fan films and or documentary type things and that. But I'm not sure if you're are you still in that category. Well, actually, we're no, we're we're not we're not in the fan film category. We're definitely in the independent film category, the documentary genre. Okay, we had hired an entertainment lawyer that um, he's, he's very well known in the entertainment business, and he is our guider. Okay. And, you know, I mean, you've seen what Michael Moore has done. You saw what the guy from Super Size Me has done. You saw what the people that made the Walmart documentary have done. Those people did things in, in, in their way, and they maybe got sued, but they could do that kind of thing. Sure, You yeah. know, the, the law doesn't stop them from making that kind of movie. What, well, and the other thing, do... you know, the other, the, the big difference, I think, too, is that I, and I've always kind of said this with other, uh, you know, productions that I've seen that fans have done, you know, along, especially there have been a lot of Star Trek fan films as well, is just that you're, you're really doing a good thing. You know, you, you're doing nothing, you know, negative at all. If anything, you know, you're showing fans in a good light, you're showing the movies a little bit differently giving people information and, and all that can only be in my view, you know, for for the positive, you know, enjoyment of Star Wars and can only be good things for, you know, George Lucas and Lucasfilm and, and you know, all that. So and I know yeah, that absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I mean they're they they are very supportive with it. We were so happy when not not only have they announced us as guests for celebration in Los Angeles, but now Celebration Europe. Oh, okay. So when when they invited us to those, we were just like, man, they don't mind what we're doing, you know. And I told them that we wanted to sell the film, and they were like, you know what, you can sell the film, but it's just going to take too long for the legal department to view it to sell it at Celebration 4. 
So we could, they, they approved of the, uh, selling the film, but if, if we're going to sell something at their convention, they need to see everything by oh. anybody that sells anything there, you know? So is it's that why you're doing it more the Internet route? Well, that, that's why we're doing the pre-order. Um, we, we, you know, and of course, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say why we do We don't want to have this. We don't want to make this movie and sit on it for three years for somebody to pick it up yeah, as yeah. a distribution company, you know. And, you know, to answer your question, yes, this movie is for profit. Um, but I don't want people to be turned off by that because... No, no, I didn't mean to... Pro. No, no, I was I was basically... The only reason I kind of brought that up is I, being in the Star Trek area too as well with a lot of fan films is that generally I've always heard the way they get around these things and that no one really seems to mind them doing it is the, the whole profit, non-profit thing. You know, if they're, no, if you, they're just throwing... You know throwing, what usually happens is... You know, if you do something like a documentary, yeah. you can't show, like, clips from the movie. You can't show a picture of Yoda. You you can show people in costume. Okay. You know, and, of All course, right. you can't use the Star Wars music and, uh, I understand. and that sort of thing. So you, you, know? you create um, your own your own sort of take on it. You're interviewing fans, and if they happen to show, like, hey, I'm in a costume, or, or, or hey, look at my Star yeah, Wars Yeah, it's okay to do that. Toy. What Lucasfilm doesn't yeah. like is when people start taking their products and their characters and creating this backstory for profit. Right. Which okay. I don't blame them, because, I mean, that's like taking something that's already copyrighted. You know, if you're taking the third Jawa on the left, or you're taking um, Grand Moff Tarkin, and you're right. putting together some story with with his character name and his backline. I mean, that's, boy, that. That's obviously copyright infringement right there. Right. Hey, to get off well, a little what, bit, but go ahead. Go ahead, finish, Christian. What, what, what I wanted to say, and, and I know that you didn't ask the question, is it profit, if that's a bad thing, but a lot of people, they might look at us like, oh, you guys are just trying to capitalize on fans. But one thing I wanted to tell people is that we are obviously passionate about Star Wars. Yeah. And yeah. No, we, no. I think the... Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I, you guys are obviously huge fans. You've put your, you know, life, blood, money, tears into this, and you know, it, and it's, we're not telling, you know, <laughs> we're not telling my story. We're telling we we put up money for people to tell their own story. Sure, right, right. You know? So no, I, I, mean, I think the these days people on completely get that, and I think that's. Uh, you know, I know there's always a couple in the bunch, and you know, sure there will be. Guy. No matter how many times you explain it, it, there will be some that uh, that don't understand. You know how things, how that works. But um, yeah, sure, sure. But but you know, we're we're definitely making a story that's that's very organic and it's very um, passionate, and it'll show if, if when people watch this, if they don't see themselves in the film and when i mean themselves like somebody that they relate to they'll be able to see somebody and they'll be like you know what that's my husband or that's my wife or that's my brother so you know you, right they'll, yeah do you think that they'll they're be personally connected to all these different people which i think is is great because yeah. there's nothing like a lot of the fan films that have done been done before they focus on one specific fan and it's almost like this sense of sense of like selfishness it's like well i don't want to hear about the guy that was first in line for episode one right what does that have to do with me yeah exactly but the guy that's you know collecting morning noon and night and he's running out of time money and space a lot of us can relate to that 
Yeah, you know? well, I, you know, as I've been through fandom over many years in in a lot of in the different areas, you know, my general uh, take on a lot of it is, is these are just people that like a certain thing. Like like we were talking about earlier, there are some people that like a certain sports team, and there's people that like NASCAR racing, and there's people that like you know they like skiing or whatever they do. Everyone has sort of has to have sort of a passion, and it's. You know, you don't really see those people showing up on the news, you know, oh, look what all these fans, like you said earlier, very rarely it happens, and only if something really major happens. But, uh, boy, those those cameras come out when somebody goes walking down the hallway in a a black cloak or or pointy ears or something like that, and and then they want to show that, and it's, oh, what about all the hundreds over there that aren't like that? Oh, well, we don't want to show them, so... uh, I, I'm really you know, uh, go ahead. If, if, if you don't mind, there there was this film, um, there was this fan made documentary done, and they opened it up with, well, what is it was it was called Star. It was, I don't know if I should, say, you know, I'm going to say the name. No, I don't know if I, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to say the name of the film. I just I don't want to. I don't think that's very professional to say. But but you're they, saying they, it was it was a film that maybe didn't show them in the best light. A different film. No, it was a film that just took people in costume and said, this guy is definitely a fan. Oh. This guy is definitely a fan. And it was all these people that were dressed up, and it's like, what about all the people that aren't in the 501st or that, that don't dress up? Those are just as much of a fan as anybody else. Yeah, and yeah. you have to, when you deal with thousands and thousands and thousands of fans, you have to realize that we're all different from each other. And I think a lot of the people that dress up in costume are mad because Lucasfilm just talks about the 501. And then, you know, so you have these people, they want their story told. They want the story told about collecting. They want their story told about this certain aspect of costuming. They want their story told about how many times they saw the new movies and how much they liked Jar Jar Binks or how much they hated Jar Jar Binks, you know? Well, I was going to say the the um, the thing that I also forget about sometimes about like the 501st and other fans, I, I see, I've even saw this when some of the movies premiered. I've seen a lot of situations where there are little kids, like kids that are five or six. I actually, I usually get a little, some kind of little costume on for Halloween and Halloween in my neighborhood is pretty big. And the last few years, especially with the Star Wars pre- prequels, I get a lot of little kids in their little Darth Vader costumes. And I, I've got my little Jedi robe on or a little blue lightsaber. And they come up and they get the biggest kick out of it. And I know the people that are in the 501st, I knew they do a lot of charity work and, and things like that. And they don't always talk about that kind of stuff. But, you know, to see the these little kids' eyes light up and, and, and they're like, you know, they're looking at you and they want to, lightsaber fight with you or whatever you know that's fun and let these kids be kids and have fun with it and and the kind of good that the fans can do for other fans for kids for for charity events it's just that's the kind of stuff i really like to hear about the good you know yeah absolutely i mean there there is some really good stuff about the 501st and there there are some bad things about the 501st but everybody that we've interviewed they're they're like the poster children for that genre of fandom, and there's there's definitely both good and bad. Sure, uh, it's just a, it all depends on the. Uh, on, I always what I like to look at it is, what, even if you put a costume on, 
and, and maybe you're doing a little acting in it or whatever, but the the person inside, it's not the 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 whatever it is they're they're trying to imitate, whether it's a Star Wars thing or a Star Trek thing. That person is the same person. So if you've got a person that's, you know, maybe not the best, or if you got somebody who's really what I would call a good person and, and gives back to whatever they're doing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's the person. It's not just oh. They're that way because they're a Star Wars fan or because they like that. No, they're that way because that's the way they are, whether they're good or bad. They were like yeah, that right. before they decided to, you know, grab some Stormtrooper armor or or put on some pointy ears and go to a Star Trek convention. They're, that person is the way they are to begin with, you know, before. Sure, sure. I mean, they always, you know, you don't mean to get too much off on a little tangent, but I mean, kids when they're very young you know the first five six seven years of life i mean that's when your your values your your personality a lot of things are formed it isn't formed when you're you know 20 years old at a star trek or a star wars celebration convention so i i just basically yeah, right and i think that's kind of one of the stereotypes too that you know that that, that we have yeah well. yeah you know, so that, it's 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 the it's the people involved, and in and like you were saying just a little while ago, and I completely agree. You've got there's always good and bad in, in any group, any kind of group or whatever you get going. There's going to be some that 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 do it the right way, and some that don't. So it's 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 better to you know, to focus on the good. Talking about can. good and talking about good and bad, I, I would have to say that what I definitely wanted to um, show in this documentary was things that will make people angry things that will make people smile and laugh yeah and things that people will cry for you know i mean our documentary is very it's it's all encompassing about the emotion you know it's just not some campy fan-made fan film i mean it's it's a very deep journey and it's there's some very serious stuff in 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 the movie I mean, there's there's people that are angry there's people that break down and there's people that that are you know coming out of uh, you know the, uh, this closet over here and that closet yeah, over there about being a fan and I think everybody will definitely enjoy the roller coaster ride you know it's it's definitely something fresh new and unique you know for well, that, yeah um, that's uh, that's what I wanted to say and we we should probably start to wrap it up a little but the uh, what I was going to say is I'd have to say for for any kind of you know in the sci-fi realm whether it was Star Trek or Star Wars or whatever I think you guys have really done something very unique here you know something that really hasn't been done before at least i mean they've had so many star wars specials on television you know and they've had you know the history channel has looked at it and and so forth and and, but i i think i'd have to say and i've seen probably most of them in in all these you know in these different genres and i think you guys have really done something that's all it's quite a bit different than what i've seen I guess the uh, what I would call the the big Hollywood people kind of produce when they've only looked at a very very small segment. So I, I'm really my hats off to you about about that. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I just want to tell you that you know we're not going to disappoint anybody. A lot of people I think are still hungry for Star Wars, and there's a Hollywood produced movie coming out that's more of a comedy, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. But I have to be honest with you, I don't think some of these other movies coming out are going to satisfy the hunger for Star Wars fans. And the reason why we are is just because, you know, the footage of Norway and the footage of Tunisia and the fact that the movie is a, a story told by individuals. 
and the fact that it's all-encompassing and the fact that there's all this passion involved and there's all this emotion, I think this movie is going to, you know, there is no Star Wars movie coming out, and we're not going to compare ourselves to the Star Wars, you know, saga by any means, but I would like to be known as somebody that painted a nice picture to give to Lucas to say, hey, this is really what the fans are about. Right. You know, this yeah. is the impact that you've had in our lives. You know, th- these are the things that we do, and these are the hardships that we've overcome just from you putting out your six films, you know? Right. It's, and, it's, and I uh, think... it's, it's very nice. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there that have worked on the movies even maybe that don't have a very, very good picture of, of what the, the people, you know, like you said, you, you were talking to people in their everyday lives. I don't think they sometimes really have a good picture of what that's like. Uh, it's it's very, no, and, and they go to a, a convention that... and there's a convention hall full of people, you know, screaming and, and you know, asking the usual questions and then they, they leave and that's what they see. And, and I think it's... Yeah, because that's, that's what they know, you know. And, and of right. course, when you work for ILM and you've worked on Star Wars, it, you're a, sure you're a fan, but you're, it's part of your work. Yeah. And yeah. it's very hard to separate, you know. I mean, like, I was, I'm a huge fan, and the fact that I'm doing this documentary, there's been some things where it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, you know what, man, I really don't want to talk about Star Wars anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 I can understand that. Yeah, you're... you're there's I'm sure you that. go through the same stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah there's a, there are there are times where it's just like, yeah, let me just you know, not not podcast for a while or whatever, you know, or talk to people and and say, hey, you're gonna go see that new sci-fi movie or whatever. And I said, you know, can't we just go see like a comedy? <laughs> you know, go, you know, go <laughs> you know, like I just talked yeah. about that for like the last month about you know X, you know, this movie coming out or right, this TV show right. coming out, and it's like. I just want to see something that's totally not related to my work. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta sometimes let go of it for a while. But I, I you know, it's, uh, it's still, um, it's still a great thing, and I'm, I'm definitely uh, going to talk they about it. Call it a labor of love, I guess. You know. Well, that's, uh, is, you know, I, I've always it was what got me going on, on doing my podcast, and I think what got you going on the movie. It's just, I, I think there's. For people that do these things that, you know, it's not immediately like you're doing them and somebody's handing you a paycheck, you know, after a week or whatever doing it. And I think there's, you know, that takes a different kind of attitude about what you, you know, you think about it and how much you're you're passionate about it, of course, and all that. The I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it's... Well, when you have the passion for it and you have the heart and mind for it, it, you know what? You're right. It would be nice if we were getting a paycheck week after week, and we're not. But, you know, the fact that we're doing what we love, that's what shows in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure Somebody that's getting a paycheck, I think the passion, sure, it could be there. But at the same time, it's like they know that they're still getting a paycheck. Yeah, and you We're doing it because we love to do it, you know? Yep, exactly. And, you know, you get to meet a lot of people that you may not have had a chance to meet before. You've mentioned several of them as we've been talking. Uh, it's uh, it's a great thing to be able to connect like that. Uh, one thing I did want to, before I wrap it up completely here, but I did want to ask you now, do you have any plans to do anything beyond this, at least uh, in, in film or in, in the Star Wars vein? That might be... One of those kind of typical questions people ask, but, uh, you know, I figured I would, too. 
didn't want to disappoint you. <laughs> are you I, no, are you are you asking if I have any plans for this film or, or another film that Star well, Wars? Well, either either uh, any. Well, I guess just future plans. Either either for in the Star Wars area or or for perhaps another film in, in either documentary style or something else. Uh, what what are you Absolutely. hoping for? Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm I'm in the music business. Um, that, that's kind of like my my real life gig. You know, okay. that, that's that's where I get the paycheck. And the way it works in the music business is you put out your first CD. The money that you get from that pays for that, and it'll pay for your next record. And what we want to do is I would love to make our money back and to get enough money where I can make another film. There's so many things I'm interested in that are non-Star Wars related that would be, um, you know, a documentary-type film. Or I was also thinking about making a story that's, um, you know, like one of those true story movies that's about my my life and how ah, I grew yeah, up yeah. without my father. Because yeah. ma- many years ago, when I was, you know, many, many moons ago, when I was, you know, hanging out in the playgrounds and swinging on the swings and riding the bikes, I always had a dream to make movies. Yeah, yeah. And, and now it's like I would love to have this kind of introduce my introduce me because I'm, I'm in the film of course it's not a big part of the film but I'm in there and have this movie kind of introduce me and then to make a movie that's not a documentary but that's you know more like a, a, a cinematic type movie right yeah just, know, just, and, just a regular like a life story kind of tale you know where they where they you know usually in the first few seconds of the film that comes up on based on a true story type of type of thing right yeah exactly I, I would like to do what, what I would like to do a movie like that and of course there would be Star Wars references in in the movie, sure. yeah. for sure, because you know, I mean, that's I wouldn't be where I'm at today without without the saga, you know. So, well, I, I think it would be nice uh, too. Yeah, go ahead. It would it would be it would be nice too to um to sell so many movies independently and have somebody pick it up as a distributor, and it would be my dream for this thing to play on the documentary channel or the Discovery Channel or something like that. You right. Know? Yeah. I think that would be that would be very fulfilling as a fan and somebody that just put in a lot of time, energy, and work. You know. Now, do you try? I you would said love you had everybody a, uh, to see the movie. Yeah, just uh, to finish up. But I mean, are you sending like a copy to people like that to try to get them interested in you know and 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 whatever they call it, purchase broadcast rights? I don't exactly know how it all works, but I mean, send yeah, copies you know, to the I'm, cable I'm network. To tell you the truth, I'm kind of learning about that myself. And, um, of course, when the movie is released this month, at the end of this month, we're going to send it out, of course, to all the critics, but, of course, to send it out to, um, you know, the cable stations, HBO, they play a lot of documentaries, you right. know, a lot of really good documentaries, um, you know, and shop it around to cable TV, you know, yeah. that, that, would yeah. be, that would be the plan for sure. Yeah, that's that's great. I think that's, you know, that's that's a nice thing about the, you know, current age with cable television and the internet and all that. There's a lot of opportunities where in the old days it it would have been very difficult, you know, to to get it shown on uh like regular television or or even at the oh, at the absolutely. movies uh would be almost impossible probably, you know. I I'm trying to even recall like, except like the movies you mentioned of the of the past few years, but before that documentaries you know that you would go out to the actual movie theater for were were pretty rare. You know, so it's uh, but with cable television, yeah, that, that's the nice thing about nowadays is that there's a lot of um, there's well, a lot of presence uh, in the industry of uh, for indep- you know there, there's a lot of room too for independent filmmakers and 
and uh, independent uh, artists, you know. Yeah, that's, that that's a great thing. thing, and it's really, you know, I think the uh, th- these are the kind of things that have uh, really blossomed through the Internet and, and given people that, you know, you can buy some amazing camera equipment, for example, with, you know, it's still not cheap, but it isn't millions of dollars like it used to be, and you can get some pretty nice stuff. I'm sure you guys use some some things that uh, in, you know, five, ten years ago would have been unheard of. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, and it's been it's been a great uh, a great opportunity to use some of this stuff, you know. And I can't uh, you know express uh, enough, you know, where we wouldn't be if it wasn't for our film crew and the hard work that they've put in, All right, and well, the trip uh, that they made to Norway, of course, you know. Hang on, uh, I want to just uh, chat with you for a few minutes after we we I'll stop the recording. But I just want to say, uh, Christian, that it's been great talking to you about this. I, I'm I'm definitely going to pick this up, and I'm going to talk about it a few more times on my podcast and on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. I think uh, the people there that are both Star Trek and Star Wars fans will be uh, very interested in taking a look at this. It looks uh, looks like you guys did a lot of nice things with it, and, and really. Uh, really showed fans in the kind of light that's that's nice for a change, I think, rather than. Uh, well, I, I appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate the um, the positive words, and I appreciate your uh, enthusiasm as far as supporting us. You know, yeah, no, no problem. I'd like to talk to you again, maybe in a you know in a couple of months and stuff, and tell you, see how it's been going for you, and if any new developments on distribution or anything have come up. So we'll have to we'll have to do that. I, I would love to be back on your show, absolutely. That's great, Christian. Well, hang on. I'm going to just stop the recording, and I'll, I'll be right back. Sure, no problem. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that interview. I really had a great time talking to Christian about his documentary, The Force Among Us, which you can uh, find more information out all about that uh, great film, it sounds like, at theforceamongus.com. I'm definitely going to pick up a copy. I think it, uh, they, you know, it's nice that somebody does something like this and really shows the fans in a nice light and gives us a lot of good information on Star Wars and the different locations they were at. Uh, really, some cool things. And I really want to thank Christian again for taking the time to talk to us. So I'm going to sign off, but I will be back with a normal, regular uh, weekend edition podcast uh, this coming weekend might come out a little bit early because I'm going to be heading out of the country soon. So until then, this is Rico signing off for now. I'll talk to everyone soon.